0: Are uh, we doing today?
1: I am horny. What about you? Titing.
2: Okay, button. so Craig is the recording bot.
1: Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think Derek I think got up enough. But we've but got we... a lag. <laughs>
2: I am getting some overlay.
1: Yeah, interesting. Okay, well. All right, welcome
2: hey <laughs> what's going on boys what's up oh you know sitting on my sitting on my bed with my dog nursing my N- seventh cores light in the last hour
1: oh, that's impressive. i was impressed than the dog you love that dog
2: mm-hmm savior of my life
1: i can tell he's a beautiful one
2: yeah He's real cute, which is lucky for him, because he's one of the most annoying bastards I've ever known in my entire life. How old is he? Let's see. I'm really bad with time. Like, notoriously bad. Um, let's see. Three years? Four years? Okay, he's four years old. Yeah, he's four. And a half, he's four and a half years old.
1: Okay. Okay still a kind of a pup then in a way
2: yeah he's pretty rowdy still
1: yeah you'll also have to put up with my uh my alerts from my alarm system at home so yeah that's going to be happening as well
2: oh that's quite fine i was about to give you guys um uh a warning that if anything makes noise in my house my dog's gonna start barking great we like (laughs) lots of ambiance
1: we like all the background noise we can fit into this podcast
2: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah i say a bunch of cool shit and you always cut it out
2: huh oh y'all editing Derek out constantly no There's just so much
1: material. There's just so much of our bullshit. You know, there's, there, there are hours and hours of our bullshit and I have to cut it somewhere. Dead silence on that.
2: Okay. So that's another, another warning. I'll give you guys is if you say something to me and I'm not responding, it's because I'm smoking. Oh, and I don't want to start coughing.
1: Okay smoking are you smoking cigarettes
2: okay so i said smoking so i wouldn't sound lame what i meant was vaping
3: i knew that's what you meant i knew it because you're not um, <laughs> because you are a literary vape generation you know what i mean you're not mm-hmm. you, and and this is so fucking foreign to me i don't know cigarettes are gross as fuck i love them but um i can't but I can't get on the vaping shit. Like, I I just don't I don't understand it at all. I don't know how much you're supposed to take. Like, I did it like and got really fucking sick once because like it's not like a cigarette. Like that's not how you anyway. I'm too old for it. Oh.
2: No, you can't. It okay? So like a cigarette is like a three to six minute experience, right? A vape is a one hit go.
3: Well, why would you want that over the like break? Because I like the break of smoking. Like, having three to six minutes where you're like, all right, I'm not going to deal with shit. Like, why would you want just a real quick hitter?
2: It's just an addiction Um, trade-off. I do miss, I do miss, like, the uh, break from reality of getting to go outside and sit down for a couple minutes and focus on nothing but smoking. Um, But, yeah, it's just I didn't want to be smoking cigarettes anymore because everyone in my family smoke cigarettes and they're all dying slowly and painfully so i was like fuck that
3: yeah i mean i had the same thing so i quit smoking cigarettes in march of last year whenever thing first happened i was like oh fuck i'm gonna die because i'm so late so i assume they're like there's a thing out there and i assume well i smoke that'll get me and so i stopped um for that reason but then also because like my kids and wife now and were always going to be home so how the fuck am i going to smoke you know what I mean like around them mm-hmm. but my family is full on and and the same thing I mean it's just it's kind of killing them but I grew up around it so much that it's like ingrained the thing I miss though is like I used to work really I mean I worked like office jobs like a receptionist at a law firm shit like that right and I liked going mm-hmm. outside with like the 50-year-old lady and smoking every hour and a half and just, like, hearing about her husband. You wouldn't believe
2: the way this man boozes. He can kill a six-pack during an instant replay. <laughs> <laughs> his breath is so bad, the dentist works on him through his ear. Shit like that.
3: You know what I mean? Like, I miss that because there's people that I wouldn't otherwise have talked to at all. And so it, like, forced me into these social situations that I enjoy.
2: Yeah, my um, my first job ever, I was 18, and I got hired randomly. I was just sitting in my car while my sister was doing an interview to become a waitress at this fucking up-and-coming, I don't know, bar, grill place. And the dude interviewing her saw me smoking in the car, pulled me over. He's like, you want a job, boy? And I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't give a fuck. I just graduated high school. But that guy... I would bum cigarettes to him every single day, and one of the most bonding experiences I ever had at that point with, like, an older generation, I guess, because I had just graduated high school, was sitting outside with that fucking dude smoking cigarettes. I'll never forget that. It was amazing.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about.
2: hmm Or even being at parties, right? And, like, someone you'd never want to talk to. Maybe even someone you hated, like, the whole time without talking to, eyeing them from across the party, like fuck, that person seems annoying. Then they ask you for a cigarette, you go outside, and you sit with them for 15 minutes, and you're like, all right.
3: Yeah, and for me... This
2: person's okay.
3: For me, I moved from Winston-Salem, like, where RJR, that's where I'm from, you know, so where RJR's at, candle Lights, all that shit. So there was, even as, like, mm-hmm. the moral culture shifted, it did not shift where I was at. So then I moved to New Hampshire for a couple years, and that was another thing It was like uh, a sorting system to figure out who was fucking cool and who wasn't because so many people would just be mm-hmm. like, dude, that's disgusting. Like we need to go outside. And I'm like, yeah, it is disgusting. We love it. And then I'll go outside and like, when you find the fucking person, the other person who understands that we're all born to die, you know what I mean? You're like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> <where's> that connection.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was a really good, um, a really good mediator, I guess, for friendship too, was uh, especially like in my age group now. Like the wokeness started pretty early, so like even when I was in college, like a couple years ago, I'd step outside to smoke a cigarette, and like one drunk sorority girl would blunder out there and be like, "You know, cigarettes are really bad for you. What are you doing?" I'm like, "I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna smoke this cat piss so the day I
3: die." Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, it's wild to me that, like, your college experience included wokeness, not just of that, but of everything. Like, obviously, mine was well, well before then, and I'm thankful for it.
2: <laughs> I, um, I still work on that college campus, and there's actually, like, a hippie drum circle that has sprouted up on campus that I walk by every day, and it just blows my fucking mind i mean i don't know where they're sitting politically but like (laughs) when i look at the six dudes who look like they're built out of fucking toothpicks white guys with dreadlocks and they're plucking an acoustic guitar and trying to serenade me while i go to buy chicken tenders what the fuck they can't have a job because i see them every day when i'm working on my (laughs) lunch break and they're out there every fucking day playing acoustic guitars
1: Yeah. Did you give them money? Do they have hats out there? Do they have the guitar uh, open up, the guitar case, so you can throw some dollars in there? They fucking do.
2: And nobody carries cash anymore. If you're going to be a millennial or a Zoomer um, fucking hippie, you can't be having the hat tipped open. You got to have, like, a debit card swiper on your phone.
1: Right. Put that in between your ass cheeks and have them slide it through there.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Man, the the credit card swipers God. have actually made it to um, the homeless population in downtown Orlando.
0: No shit.
2: Yeah, like um, I don't I don't carry cash. Worked for like two and a half years. I swear to God,
0: <laughs> they'll
2: pull out a fucking like one of those cubes. Like, nah, man, it's good. I take cards. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> That's
1: incredible. I have yet to encounter. A, I have yet to encounter. A- ohio that has a card swiper uh, so that's that's pretty incredible it's
2: so good i'm just like all right man well let me let me go buy you some beers like if i'm gonna have to do this shit we're buying beer <laughs> i'm not giving you my money i'll give you half my beer though
1: right i mean if they got it really worked up well they could steal your credit card information if you did that uh-huh <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: they're fucking quick enough dude Right. Oh, man, downtown Orlando. The drum circle. The drum circle, yeah. That blows my mind. UCF's campus is just like a, um, I don't know if this is college campuses everywhere, but I've worked there for like three or four years, and the amount of subcultures I encounter there is like not what I was led to believe I would be encountering on a college campus from all the 90s movies I watched growing up. <laughs> Yeah, there was a, I thought it'd be a lot cooler.
3: There wasn't a diversity. Well, I think there was a diversity of subcultures, different types, but there was not a single one that I felt like I belonged to in, in any sort of college setting. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I, I drank my way we out of college, like twice at the time, at the age when you're, you're supposed to go to college, college. And so I ended up going online later, like in my 30s. But even when I was you know physically there um, it wasn't yeah. cool like I thought it was going to be cool you know I mean there wasn't other people I guess that I felt like I the people that I liked were the people that lived in town and just hung out and were like no I am not to
2: college or shit shit possible <laughs> yeah um man fuck I think I have two friends that I made in college like I mean I was fucked up every day in school so I don't remember a whole lot of it, but I remember, especially because, like, it was in college that I decided I wanted to start writing, so I started taking all these creative writing classes, and I thought I'd be meeting, like, cool, fringe people like me that just, like, don't give a fuck about academia, and, like, they're there to, like, fucking party and make stories. Absolutely not, man. These people were so down with, like, reading classic lit and debating philosophy in the middle of class and i just didn't have time for it
1: yeah a lot of stroking oh yeah yeah i had terrible, so
2: much stroking. i
3: terrible workshop experiences did you ever do did you ever do workshops outside of college
2: no and i wouldn't because of my experiences in college yeah. Oh my god. Tell me about one of your shitty workshop experiences.
3: Well, when I was so I was in college, um, 1999 to 2002 is when I fucked around and, and didn't. So that's, so what was happening right then in the literary scene, I guess, would be like Brett Easton Ellis, Chuck Palunk, how do you say his last name? Um, that was like what was kind of hip and cool, and I didn't, I, you know, I mean, I was reading and liking that stuff at the time, but the teachers were still very much on like 1960s, 1970s type stuff, and and really focused in on sentence structure to a way that maybe now I would actually appreciate somewhat. I mean, it'd be nice to, to know more than I do, but. Um, I just remember, you know, having these stories workshop where the whole time we would be talking about grammatical choices as if I hadn't made, as if I hadn't made a choice, you know, I mean, so stuff like stream of consciousness, stuff like, you know, what would now be called auto fiction or whatever stuff, you know, that is, um, internal or whatever you know that monologues like all that kind of stuff was just like oh you need to cut all that you need to get back to you know the the plot elements and it was very much like act one act two act three and then let's fuck around with your grammar so i didn't have good experiences i did i did take workshops outside of it later on like you know recently um and i didn't have good experiences in those either despite being with relatively cool people and and i think that's just because once you get to a certain level of confidence in your stuff you need to find those one or two or handful of readers that get what you're trying to do and that's probably not going to happen unless you're really lucky in a workshop wow
2: yeah i agree with that wholeheartedly like to this day um i still think about like comments i've gotten in workshop classes where like academic writers who are probably getting their MFAs right now would, like, roast my meandering protagonist and say that nothing happens, you know? There's no choices that the character's making. The story doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that just blows my fucking mind.
3: Yeah. And, and, and they're
2: and, all getting their MFAs right now.
3: Right, there are. And, I mean, I, and, and you can see it in real time, you know, when you're following... You know, the stuff that gets published in the kind of journals that people are, like, you know, reaching for or whatever. I don't even submit to that stuff. You know, the type of places. You can see, like, what, Mm -hmm. you know, what the trends are and stuff like that. And it almost becomes, I feel like a lot of writers try to ape that. Like, they try to see, like, this is what was published in Barrel House. You know, this is what was published in Bomb or Tyrant, whatever. And so I'm going to you know, try to do a facsimile of that and you're only fucking yourself when you do that. You know what I mean?
2: Oh yeah, the mimicking. The mimicking is so crazy. Especially, um my fucking God. I mean you can you can definitely see it like in the scene too and like I feel guilty of it all the time where like I'll binge a specific writer and then I'll write a whole bunch of stuff like two years ago is probably when I discovered Sam Pink, and I binged everything he had fucking made in, like, a week or two. And then I went on this crazy writing binge, and I waited, like, a month to go back and revisit it. And I revisited it, and I was like, oh my god, this is all, like, a blatant (laughs) rip-off. Or, like, today I read the new, uh, the Zach Smith and Giacomo Pope, Giacomo, Giacomo. fuck, goddamn I'll never pronounce his name right, Giacomo Giacomo collab. And um I started writing and then I messaged both of them and I was like, I'm gonna have to wait like a couple of days before I start writing because I'm immediately janking on this voice. But that's a subconscious decision, not a conscious decision to be like, Okay, so this is what's getting published, this is what I want to replicate in order to get views. That blows my mind. I can never write like that. I can never write for anybody outside of myself.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I and we all make that subconscious thing. I mean, it's funny you brought up Sam Pink me um me and g were i don't know which suit i don't know which i don't know which name you want today
1: Giacomo um, <laughs> Giacomo. you know my cover is blown so don't worry we well, were, <laughs> were
3: talking about uh sam pink in context of oh it, it flows you know at least i could be your neighbor like part of it flows from that tradition i guess is a way to put it mm-hmm. but one thing i was saying was that i i didn't i had never really considered that only because sam pink's work which i like a lot i love sam pink is um internal and i kind of described it like a scream trying to get out and one thing that i think is very different about your work is it's very involved it, it, it exists in the world you know like and and so to me when i read you i feel like you i am tagging along with you as you experience the waste, the food, the filth, like, the being in a body, you know, the the animals you encounter, sort of just like, you know, the Florida fucking sun, like, there's just so much more exterior and external to your own, um, mental state or whatever that I think is different and kind of, you know, unique about that, about that style that you're, that you're using.
1: Agreed. I'm glad we had that discussion earlier because we were comparing and contrasting because it does it does put me in mind of Pink at times and I was saying that to Derek, but I was like it isn't aping it. It's not ripping it off and I never have felt that way. But I do feel like there's a certain kind of uh, I don't want to use the word naivety but there's a really kind of a charming simplicity at, uh, in, in the that work in your work and it's kind of like i think that's kind of what you guys share in a certain way yeah does that make sense (laughs) yeah absolutely
2: um i think it was in reading there's three names i can think of and it's bud smith joey grantham and sam pink were after so it started with bud smith's work um then Sam Pink, and then later on someone recommended Joey's book to me and I read it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this kind of aligns. line. Um, where I read those and I had realized that I didn't really have to, because at this point I was still thinking very academically because I was in college um, when I had started writing. So I was like focused on narratives and like these deeper, more flowery prose. And then I came across these works and I realized that I can kind of just tell my experiences as they are and in the language of which I typically exist and not just flowery prose it kind of open me up. <laughs> I like naivete too. That's really good because there is like genuinely speaking, I feel like I wake up every day and I'm stumbling into the world for the first time. Like that's <laughs> it's definitely not a face I'm putting on. That's just an experience that I have every single day where I'm like trying to learn to walk again. And I feel like every time I write a story, I'm wrapping like my arm around someone. I'm like, let's go on a walk.
1: <laughs>
2: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> let's take a trip.
1: Absolutely. And, and the way it's so succinct and and I was reading through, I don't know, was the PDF you sent to, uh, to me, about a year and a half ago, it was a version of Carnival, right?
2: It was, yeah. It's radically different now. I've gone through some big shifts.
1: So I sent Derek that PDF so, we could, so he could kind of go over it. And I told him this was sent a while ago and that I'd loved it when I read it. But I was sure that it had probably gone uh, through a complete overhaul.
2: Yeah, but I think um, part of the overhaul, too, is like a decent narrative so i'm interested to see what it what it came across as whenever i sent it to a year and a half ago because when i wrote it initially okay so i wrote it as it existed as a as the draft that i sent you probably and i like signed off on it like this is good to go this is perfect uh was between october and december of 2019 because the last poem is my birth i can't stop burping. It's my birthday of 2019 so i broke up with my girlfriend at the time in october and i wrote that yeah so october november december wrote that in three months between then and it was just kind of uh, originally this response like that breakup and like this striving to to keep surviving and like make sense of the world post breakup because it's all very dramatic and love love torn and whatnot but since then it's taken several different changes because The thought process immediately post breakup to semi-post breakup to a year and a half later has been radically different.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll be interested I would be interested to see what kind of changes that you made to it. It's kind of nice to see something that a piece of work that that you know a writer is working on and it's not quite finished and you know you you can you can compare and contrast and kind of see a little bit of the process um and i i'm i'm grateful to have that experience with with carnival do you have i
2: think it'll be good i think you'll like it i think you'll like the ships that it's made
3: do you have how do you know sure even a single piece for you is finished and i think i'm asking because of your the art background. you know like because that's so different is the process different knowing when something's done written
2: if i return to something that was written i will change it every single time yeah. because it exists in such a personal because of like so much of what i write now is auto fiction Um, It exists in, like, this mindscape of the immediate moment, which is kind of anxiety-inducing and kind of funny. And, like, even going back and reading Neighbor, this completely different, like, angry fucking, like, home homebody goblin man that wrote Neighbor is very different than the person who first started writing Carnival and is very similar to the person I am now. So anytime I return to a piece of fiction, I'm going to change it to match, like, the person that I am immediately. And I'm incessantly swapping faces out.
3: I I actually said, I was, um, telling, I was telling Gary that I loved the cover of Neighbor, and he sent me a picture of a painting of it. And I said, that's so cool that Kevin sent me a picture of the painting of the cover of Neighbor. Um, yeah. You know <laughs> <nice. laughs>
1: I had no clue. He, he was like, why don't you fucking watch my first meet, you asshole. <laughs> man, I'm so lucky. I just, as soon as... See, that's how under, under the radar I am. I'm so under the radar.
2: You're on a lot of cover these days, huh?
1: It's rolling, man. It's rolling.
2: Mm-hmm. You did um the moon down to Earth, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, you are correct, sir.
2: What was the process of that like?
1: Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like you know, with the exception of yours, uh, the neighbor, I, I work more like a collaboration with, you know, like Bruiser, it was a cor- collaboration. James, it was definitely a collaboration. I had submitted some mock-ups and you know while he thought that they were all right he was like well this is the idea i really had and this is the image that came to me as i was writing it so i went with that you know Mm -hmm. um yeah i just you know i I approach it as a collaboration and really it's like you're the boss if i if if you you know consign me to do your cover I'm pretty i throw my ego out the window and you know generally that's kind of what like collaborations are to me anyway you can't come into it with ego i try to not bring a lot of ego into my writing and my art anyway so
2: i think that's a good way to be the abandonment of the ego is definitely incredibly freeing i think especially in a literary sense where when you stop putting on airs you could be a lot more vulnerable people are going to respond to that Jesus Christ, I probably shouldn't have drank all those beers, but here we go.
4: No, you should have. But you can, instead of putting on airs,
3: you can, like you were saying, like you can put on faces, you know? That's what's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Because we've got so many facets, you know, people know us in our lives in such different ways. Like, everybody gets kind of like a different view. And so, there's still a ton of character to sort of draw out. You know, without having to feel like you're emptying yourself completely.
2: Yeah, I was actually thinking about that um, when, like, pseudo-interviewing myself in preparation for this. I was thinking about how, like, most of my friends in real life, like, when they read my writing, they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what do you—because— in real life, I'm like a very uppity, you know, like charismatic, very life of the party type person. And then I come home, I shut myself in my room, I walk my door, I'm like, finally. <laughs> finally, I can let the goblin out.
1: <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> Hold on a
4: second.
1: May, may I? Uh, here's my other half. He really wants to add cool. something.
4: You know, um, not, not that I want to, like, I'm, I'm not getting involved in your conversation, but I was just overhearing what you all are talking about. One of the things that I think is really unique about Gary, and when I watch him, right, it's transformative for him. As a person who observes him and watches his moods and his changes, I swear I sometimes see somebody else sitting in the chair hammering out whatever it is that he's hammering out, and I've never seen anything like it. I don't know how like um, involved in character development um, uh, person's what, or what process they have to go through in order to develop a, a character from beginning to end, but to see what he does when he has an idea as to who he's writing for. Uh, there was a day... I woke up from a nap and walked into the room and found him sitting at the computer. He was hammering out a story. I'm not going to say the name of it. But um, while he's sitting there and he's writing, I stop and I have to, like, shake my head several times to make certain I'm seeing who's actually sitting in this chair. Because what I saw was an old Jewish man. Like, literally. And I actually had to ask him flat out right I had to ask him flat outright, is there any chance that you were just writing about an old Jewish character? And he goes, yeah. I was like, because if I had to give the guy a name, his name is Saul. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's into this and he does this and so on and so forth. And Gary's like, yeah, yeah, that's about right. And I'm just sitting there going, but you turned into him. That's the thing. He was sitting in the chair, but it wasn't. It wasn't him. I and it, I actually like jumped back from because it was literally kind of, I don't know. Gary's face is uh, shape changing. That, that pretty much is the only way I know how to describe it. But he, he turns into different people, literally. You you would just have to see it. I love that. It's called
1: mental illness. That's cool. <laughs> Decompensation, dissociation. You know.
3: That
2: was not only one of the cutest things I've ever heard, but um, also an incredible ability for me to go piss out the 17 beers that I've drank before. I've been now.
0: Excellent.
3: <laughs> but I was smiling the whole time. That was great. You, do you write on the go? I mean, are you constantly putting stuff in your phone? I'm assuming, I'm assuming you write to your phone. Is that right?
2: I have not written on a computer in probably two and a half years, okay.
3: and I think I stole that from maybe in your interview with Joe on on, on riding the rapids. I, I know I heard you say that in some interview. Uh, so you you write on your phone, but are you is it at different times throughout the day whenever you've got that free moment?
2: It's not even about the free moment i'll put I'll put fucking anything on hold the moment that there's something I want to write down the rest of the world just fucking evaporates. Like, I, cause I know that I'm not the type of person who can sit down and work on something. So whenever I have that inspiration, I want to capture it immediately as is. I think it comes across like a lot more emotional that way too. Cause there's no retrospective analysis of your thought process. There's no like, oh, well maybe I didn't feel this way or maybe I could maybe lighten that up. I don't edit a lot either, so I just fucking bang that shit out, put it out as is, and that's who I was that day. That's what's getting published.
3: So, what about when it's time to make decisions for what goes in or doesn't go in? You know, something like Carnival or Neighbor. You know, a a, you know a book.
2: Yeah, Neighbor specifically. So, typically, I'll I'll with (laughs) okay it's so different because carnival actually changed like the way I guess I write um, with editing because of the drastic life changes that occurred in the several stages of creating it. But with neighbor, I sat down with the concept and for a couple months, I was just like, this is my concept. Whenever I encounter moments that align with my thought process and the tone that I want to put into this book, I'm going to write it. I'm going to bang it out and I'm going to put it together neighbor was written almost from start to finish just as a cohesive part like i i just wrote it (laughs) sorry i have not been sleeping all week uh carnival is a little different because my intent with the book was very different and that the first time i wrote it i wanted it to be like this soft kind of like baby boy response to heartbreak and then I got pissed off a couple months after the breakup and I was like, this is going to be my descent into fucking madness. It was much more aligned with neighbor in that sense where it was kind of like embracing the relapse. And then between, I guess, yeah, basically from December to now um, I had kind of like an awakening, generally speaking with the substance abuse and the debauchery in general and the self-loathing. And I wanted it to be more of like a, a circle kind of perspective where it starts, you know, you're trying to better yourself. You want to be a better person. It fails. You descend into madness. You (laughs) you revel in the madness because it feels good and it's easy. It's super easy to just get fucked up and be pissed off and walk around fucking spit on everybody and just be jaded, get drunk, get high, do whatever the fuck you want. But eventually like that grows yeah it's good it feels good especially like when you're reveling in you know the hatred of other human beings because that's really what it was was 2020 happened i didn't have my friends my lover left me i was fucking alone in my room and i was just fed up what was i gonna do besides drugs and alcohol you know like it was just a fucking party for the end of the world but then the world started back up again (laughs) and i turned 24 and I realized that life was going to continue going like there's a kind of absence of future. I feel like that's really easy to accept uh, when you're in the midst of debauchery. That doesn't really make sense once you step out of it.
3: Well, that's what's nice about what neighbor does capture is for someone like so for me, I haven't drank uh, alcohol eight years, nine years now. And so I quit right when my son was like one. And we're at like his mm-hmm. his one year birthday party, and I'll just get yeah, fucking, you know, I could be your neighbor style fucking hammered, and and you know it was that sort of like oh fuck I'm not gonna do that you know I can't do that you know so there's this new element that that comes in, uh, and they still do like look at that time especially before kids like finally because it was fun as shit. So one of the things that I got out of neighbor was a capturing that moment but even while you're capturing it there is an element of like I know this is gross I know this is temporary the question becomes like is it temporary because I'm gonna die before I'm fucking 30 or is it temporary because there's another growth thing happening
2: yeah that's um oh man Uh, okay I guess I'll talk about it (laughs) um i mean i talk about it in both books so (laughs) it's actually funny because what i'm about to talk about i feel like is the reason why my mom finally bought neighbor after a year and a half of it being out told her not to read it don't read it don't read it don't read it she sends me a picture of it i say oh okay that was three months ago we have not talked about it we're never gonna fucking talk about it
0: wow
2: yeah no we're not it's fine it's chill i had a drunk conversation with my sister of which i mean she was drunk okay i'll hop to the point so derek what you were saying i don't know if this is temporary because i'm gonna die before i'm 30. my um bouts of like relapse and debauchery are incessantly tied to like the fact that i will come to a point in my life where like i look around the future's bleak and i become Almost obsessed with the fact that I'm going to die. It's compulsive. Like, it is an over-compulsive... I don't know if it's going to be by my hand, or a car, or a fucking vending machine, a gun in a mall. No idea. But I am I come to, like, the conclusion that by the end of the year, the end of the month, the end of the week, I'm going to be dead. So it every time I relapse... I use the term relapse because I keep getting fucking intervention. Um... <laughs> It's, it really does feel like if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out with a fucking bang. So it feels like a party at the time, but then the party starts to fade out, and people leave, and then you're in your room, and you're alone, your dogs are looking at you funny, you're all fucked up and acting weird, and reality kind of starts to settle in, and you realize you have to work tomorrow, <laughs> that's what it's like.
3: Yeah, and it, I think it captures yeah. it well. I, I can just say from being quite a bit older and really, really uh, connecting with that work and that particular work, that uh, you it, it's not always true, unfortunately or fortunately. Like, that death doesn't come. And sometimes the worst thing is you just have to keep living.
2: Uh... Yeah, it doesn't. That's the thing. Like, it feels so freeing to open your arms up and just accept that death's coming. You know, you tell yourself, fuck it, I'm done. I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna end it all at the end of this round. But then you don't, and you gotta pick up the pieces. And it gets harder the older you get to pick up those pieces and explain to all your loved ones that, uh, it was just a phase. I'm really sorry about all those things I said and did.
1: Yeah, so what is, what is the idea, I mean, what, what was the idea with Kratom there? Because I've got some, and I just was kind of like, I've messed around a little bit with it, but what's the deal with that? Kratom? I not know you could get it. Kratom.
2: Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's an opiate, it works on opioid receptors. For all intents and purposes, you can abuse Kratom to the extent where, I mean, I've fucked around with hard drugs before. I could replicate like the hardest opiate high I've ever had in my life with kratom, so. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So kratom is like an opiate. It, it okay. Kratom's weird because it is a pseudo. It is. It works on mu opioid antagonists, or it is a mu opioid antagonist working on opioid receptors. But there's two different strains, much like weed, whatever indica sativa, But there's also a difference in dose. So you could take a small dose, it's going to replicate stimulants. The higher the dose you go, the more it's going to replicate opiates. It would get to the point where, like, I would be fucking nodding off, losing consciousness in bed, like, fucking drooling on myself. It can get pretty heavy. And before, before college, or not even before college, but before I found the girlfriend, um, opiates were, like, my fucking... That's my go-to ticket, baby. I like being warm and sleepy. So kratom. Yeah. You don't even need a fucking prescription. I mean, they sell extracts. You take a pill you are fucking gas station. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like the worst part. Like I had um, I had a father figure growing up who was a. He was he was a drug addict. He was an alcoholic. I mean, he was like a millionaire gone broke unfortunately, due to his business failing. But that was the weirdest part about alcoholism to me was that we would have to like go around and like show people like out al- like gas station workers and fucking liquor store operators this picture and be like, please don't sell to this guy. He's gonna fucking kill himself. Like he cannot be drinking, please don't sell to him. Like the what? fact, yeah, like the fact that oh, alcohol can be yes. bought anywhere, you know, like it's available incessantly. And kratom, people treat it like it's this herbal fucking remedy. And I'll go to drive my car. I live in a college town, so smoke shops are everywhere, and they'll have big ass fucking signs. Get kratom here! It's like it's like the next yerba mate. Fucking ridiculous.
1: The next yerba mate? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> oh, dude,
2: I'm not even kidding. Like when I first got into kratom, like people treat it like it's this fucking oh my god, my dog's tweaking. They treat it like it's this uh this cure all, right? Like what? Oh, it's what? it's the cousin of coffee, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, you can take it every day, no problem until you stop taking okay. it one day and you're sweating and shitting your pants because you didn't take it that day. Care, yeah. Then okay. the problem kind of starts to take like, hold. Oh. have heard you
1: heard you heard Holy crap. Well, here Bibles is here. Welcome, Bibles. We hear you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the the chaos in this Bible.
1: Oh. Yeah, shitting your pants, mate. Yes. Eh? You know, I, I almost shit my pants yesterday. Do you know, like this on the song we'll
2: I think that's kind what of, of we the song of growing up, with shitting your we pants.
3: Have, we were talking about shitting your pants. Is that where we were yeah. talking, about shitting you your like, pants? You like, talk,
0: you like to talk about food, don't you, baby? I love talking about poop.
3: Spreading my bad. <laughs> poop. Walking away. Which uh, on brings the shop us, floor.
1: Which brings us to a question. And before we go on with any more literary discussion, um, we want you to discuss a, a rumor cabinet. There mm-hmm. are rumors. Um and that 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 you've got one of the bigger dicks in and oh lips and the list is just, just Gary
3: made this list. Brian it's not a rumor. I only heard about this today. It's a real rumor. Nobody. Nobody knows. It's Brian <laughs> Allen
1: Ellis and Jake Blackwood. Those are the biggest dicks in all of for- Gary, nobody knows what my dick looks like, okay? You posted a picture of it. Sort of. Pissing in my
3: pants. <laughs> If I answer this question,
2: the, the men in my DMs are going to intensify. I've already gotten two Kevin, questions for underwear mail today. Kevin, how can is yours?
3: You know what, you know what, Kevin? You need to get on just, oh, what is it, only friends? Only all the friends? Now tell me, tell me now, why is Derek not on this list?
2: Because he's read. I'm not on the list. He's read my writing. He can infer. Little, Little bit of writing. Kevin, Kevin welcome, welcome to the game. club. Big, big swing of boys. <laughs> all right, boys. We in the
1: penis
0: chat, huh?
1: We in the penis we chat, chat today. Chat Five We're we just trying to dispel We're trying to sell you. <laughs> all, all right. right. And, and a honor honorable mention goes to, uh, what is it? It's, uh, it's Carlton Alex and Big Bruiser Dope Boy and J. J David Osborne. They were, they're, they're the runner-up. <laughs>
2: All right. I'll dispel these rumors by confirming them. If you were to tape a Pringles can to the inside of your thigh, that would be much larger than what my penis looks like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well
1: okay then and so really so really you had two requests for underwear today
2: yeah i don't know what the fuck's going on i just be getting how do you DMs. get
1: how do you get that i don't you know. know what it's because your you hands are moving. You know, and also also
4: you write a lot about being
2: stinky and I know some bitches that'd be so hungry for some stinky underwear from you. Oh mm-hmm. my god, really? I do have really stinky underwear because i
0: just
3: be wearing that shit for like 12 days straight. <laughs> Is that true? Oh yeah, I don't give
2: a fuck. I wake up I in the morning don't. and I see some underwear on the floor and I'm like, I'm not doing do laundry. Like Mine stink after day one. God, I live in Florida, dude. I got the swamp nuts. I don't give a fuck. Mm. My poor my poor girl, dude. Uh goblins are hard. She be putting up with some bullshit. Like a lot I see a lot of here's a point of contention I was thinking about today, right? I see a lot of fucking verified check writers talking about being goblins. These What's that fucking ass fucking Contract-having writers do not get to talk about being goblins, all right? They're eating What's in, a in New York. They don't have sweaty balls like me. They're not eating out of the trash oh. like a raccoon like me. Okay, yeah. Something, <laughs> Something about being a fucking <laughs> goblin. Piss goblin. off. <laughs> goblins <laughs> eat yeah, that rude, carry, bro. They don't fucking wear sundresses and write about fucking going to prom
3: alone, okay? <laughs> that's just the, that's just the, them trying to co-opt what's, uh, what's happening below, you know? Like, those are the fucking- They're Im- gentrifying exactly. us! Exactly! Those are motherfuckers yeah. scoot down to underground for, like, 30 seconds, and they're like, what can I steal? What can I take?
2: <laughs> fucking motherfuckers. Verified check writers.
0: That'd
2: be a good, that'd be a good medium article. Indie writer, Ellen Reeds, Kevin Gonzalez. Hate's best friend, Zach smooth <laughs>
1: That would be good. That'd be a good thing to be. <laughs> no, we, we gotta get on that. We gotta switch the rumors from dick size to that.
2: No, no, no. Keep keep the keep the dick size rumors going. I yeah. feel like a lot of a lot of the books I get to sell are on my Himbo bullshit. <laughs> which makes me so bad.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I get to see the site analytics. So i know that there's a direct correlation between me taking a greasy selfie and selling three books that i don't want to
1: admit holy crap
2: that is amazing i'm a fiend i'm a fiend for site analytics dude i was sending fucking, uh the boys our conversion rates today we have an 8.2 conversion rate for fucking december that's ridiculous <clears throat> my dog's having a fucking aneurysm over here. Did your dog vomit? If I if I were to take a picture of my bed, which I won't because then the girls who end up on it will stop sleeping here. It is composed almost entirely of dog piss and vomit. My dog has pissed and vomited on at least 3 at least 3 to 400 times.
0: <laughs> like
2: if I were if I were to, if I were genuinely to plant my nose in any given spot and really focus on scent, my bed smells like that. Sometimes. But I'd be burning a lot of candles,
1: incense, white cloud incense, white cloud brand <laughs> incense. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: What they don't know, don't hurt them.
1: <laughs> yeah, ugly. Exactly. It's like you know, in the olden times, like they wear wigs and stuff, and the 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 personal hygiene wasn't so great. They'd hide those little blocks of scented wax in their room that would just melt throughout the day and cover up the stench. Yeah. (laughs) God, I fucking wish, I
2: wish we lived in a time where like gigantic white wigs were a mark of uh, social. Jesus Christ, I'm shit face. I I wish, I wish you could wear a wig. I'm going bald, all right? That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm going fucking bald. I'm 24 years old and I'm pissed off about it.
1: Well, you know, I started losing my hair at 27, so, you know, I'm there with you. And I just <laughs> shaved, shaved, it. I shaved it off. My sister noticed it one day and she's like, oh my God, you're going bald. And I'm just like, okay, all right. Uh, there it goes. Better to, better to be bald than go bald, so. I refuse to Um, acknowledge it. Well, you just
4: did.
1: No, 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 no. I
3: mean, I mean, (laughs) I mean, mean in real life. um, Physically.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, Um, I'm going to be combing my hair over. Okay, until the day I die, yeah. Like, for sure. Like, until my hair actually gives up on me entirely, I'm going to pretend like I have a bunch of it.
1: Would you ever get hair plugs?
2: If I could afford them, hell yeah. I might have to start hitting up those dudes' when underwear in the DMs, because I actually, yeah, I, I would, I would, well, okay. You know
1: what? I was going to suggest that. I was going to say, man, you're missing out on a golden opportunity there, because you could start charging for that shit. Gonna, I'm telling you. you sell it. And- Hopefully make bank on that.
2: Once a week, I'll get really drunk, and I'll open up my bank account, and it says, like, negative $76. <laughs> and i'll go to my dms and i'm like all right bro you all got right. tw- you got 20 minutes to catch out me 150 dollars. what the fuck do you want but by the time they do respond i'm like all right i'll take money out of my savings this is fine i'm not gonna lower myself to this shit but one of these days if you're listening to this underwear sniffer 327 make me a higher offer all right i'm right on the cut.
1: let my my misfortune work for you
2: I feel like they know too though because like I'll tweet about having no money and they're like hello poppy out. so <laughs> I saw you tweet about having no money
0: <laughs> so I see you
2: haven't eaten in two days you have that stinky undie like, fuck yeah. yeah the weirdest offer okay this is I actually, like, almost blocked this dude, but I didn't, because I want to keep that potential money on the back burner. The weirdest offer I got, which is, I should probably take my location out of my bio. Um, this dude just started sending me pictures of like, I don't know, this 20 to 25-year-old blonde girl, nudes, her fucking herself with various objects. And he said, I'll pay you $1,500 to go fuck my girlfriend and report it. And I know that, like, he's definitely not even bisexual or straight. Like, I know he's he's definitely just gay, because he's told me before. So I know the fact that his, like, sexual relief is coming from, like, owning this woman. Also, because I said girlfriend, he said pussy slave. <laughs> so... <laughs> But that was that was also the most alluring offer. So I was like, okay, I can just go fuck this girl and record it and make fifteen hundred dollars. Like
0: so one of
2: these
3: days, Janice. So he's a writer. <laughs> <I've done it. laughs> pussy slave. No <is> shame. <laughs> pussy slave is too literary for him not to have at least two collections out.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? You know what?
3: You need to go
1: and do that shit, and you need to write
2: about it. I can't. I have a girlfriend now.
1: Well, I didn't mean to. It just kind of
2: happened on accident. I'm trying, I'm man. I'm trying.
1: Well, you, know what? you know what? When it happens on accident, that's probably going to be a keeper. Well,
2: see, so. that's what I said about the girl that I broke up with in 2019 that I thought I was going to marry, which was my first girlfriend of all time. And, uh, that bitch drove me to insanity, so, (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, best of luck. But if this one should fail, we will still have hordes of those types of admirers. Yeah. As you said, backward.
2: I, um, I think she's going to listen to this, probably, so we should edit it so that it says I'm really enjoying my time with my girlfriend right now. And it's going really good. And I anticipate a long and fruitful future with her. That sounded really, that sounded really organic. All right, make sure we edit that.
3: Perfect. What's going on with (laughs) the back patio? What do you you guys, how many books are you going to put out this year, you know?
2: So, initially, our um, our model was, like, a book every three months, I want to say. I'm pretty bad at math. Four times three, I think, equals 12. So, yeah, uh, four books every three months. But between – so, <laughs> Carnival was supposed to come out three weeks ago, I think. But December was just, like, a complete descent into fucking madness for me. Like, I went cold turkey off – substances and so for like a month i truly was not functioning as like a human being i mean like i i wasn't sleeping i couldn't eat i was fucking i was having seizures and fucking twitching in bed sweating fucking it was the worst experience i've ever had so i didn't get to do any work for an entire month so we're essentially a month delayed right now um so carnival will come out in february We're looking at some books by different writers. I want to put out probably, like, two or three months. That's the thing is we've got a ton of shit on the back burner right now, and I just have to, like, lay out a schedule. Definitely, for sure, Watertown by Daniel Eastwood. If I can, I want to get this book from Kurt. I want to get this book uh, from motherfucking uh, Graham, Graham's Liver Mush. That shit's fucking
3: balling. Yeah, I'm trying to snatch mush. up everything
2: I can and put them all out. Man, that
3: liver That what? Man, that liver mush, man. You don't, I don't think you have the distribution for that, man. You know what I'm saying? Now you're trying to get a good time. It's like, don't... Um, you know, I mean, Maybe you can sling a dime bag, but that one, liver mush is a brick.
4: Liver
2: mush is a fucking brick. Yeah. I mean, I had that talk with him today. I was like, I'm letting you know now, brother. Like, our numbers are not super fucking high. Like... We be selling to the same motherfuckers over and over again. They're with the vision. He seems with it. I told him to push it to some heavier venues. And if he can score them, fuck yeah. Take that shit. Like, back patio's on the back burner. We're making books for people who are ticking off. Like.
3: <laughs> well, I'm just fucking with you, but I do love Graham. Man. And Livermore, uh, that would be awesome home for it.
2: Graham, Graham, okay, here's the thing, right, is I love Graham to death. And I hate him because he's fucking funnier than me. Like that tweet that came out about uh like writers supposed to be your competition. I don't believe in that. Nobody's my fucking writing competition. Fuck all of you. I'll eat you all for fucking breakfast. But comedy, that's some shit I take seriously. And Graham's funnier than me and it fucking itches my skin.
3: You know what makes me feel better about it is his girlfriend's funnier than him. And that must hurt. Oh my God! That must hurt so bad. He has it to should fucking be. Live with that every night.
2: It should be illegal that they're together because, like, the jokes jokes per second meter must be going fucking crazy in that
3: house. Oh, it's nuts! Yeah, it's nuts. Oh, fuck. But Batpatty didn't put Man. the the two million shirts,
2: did you? do that. No, we didn't. To apparently some confusion, because I was getting some fucking DMs today from people, and I was just like, "Nope, that's uh, <laughs> that's just Zach and Jiak." G- I definitely, I definitely didn't have shit, dick to do with this. I didn't even know it was happening until I saw the link on Twitter, so. <laughs> Which is funny because like both Zach and Jiak G- are better at every part of Brooklyn book production than I am so the fact that anyone assumed I had anything to do with it was fucking laughable I was like nah it's just too good like
1: come on Graham now now who is uh, who is that I don't know that I've read his work Graham
2: Irving I want to say I'm pretty bad with names
3: Yeah, he read that. Graham did the... Graham did the Canon Museum one. Oh,
1: oh, yeah, that shit was funny. And that was a great belge.
2: Thank you. It was pretty weak. I was holding back because I didn't think I'd be caught. Um, (laughs) on. Fucking Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to puke on on stream, boys. You guys are going to get the real goblin experience.
1: Get that microphone up there. I want that sound. God, my girlfriend's going to show I'm up. I'm just walking around
2: beforehand. I promised her I wasn't going to drink. Is she going to listen? She's going to show up. I'm just going to listen? Is she going to listen? I, I hope not. I told her yeah. she's not allowed to follow me on Twitter. I know she checks that shit anyway. She'll text me some shit and, like, you we were looking at my fucking Twitter, weren't you? <laughs> I hate that. I don't want, yeah. like... I want a clear division between social life and art life. Me
3: too. Because my
2: art life is where I go to bitch about everything that I don't want people in my real life to know about.
3: Me too, that's just, why. Just make it to the point where she hates
2: it. <laughs> Run that by me again, bro? It sounded like you are going through a tunnel. Yeah,
3: just make it to the point where she hates it.
2: Oh, she does. <laughs> like... Everyone everyone in my real life despises anything I've ever made. I'm
1: never gonna stop.
2: My dog's licking the socket, hold on. Oh my god. Stop.
1: Your dog's licking the (laughs) socket. Licking the fucking life socket.
2: God damn, I don't I think sharing a room with me could be that bad, dude. You've seen me do it too many times these lens. Licking the lights. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the most like disgusting part of having a pet. Okay. The last thing I'll say before I walk into this bathroom, take a fat fist and put myself on mute. The weirdest part about having a pet is when you hit like the lowest point in your life and you look over and that pet's looking at you like, Hey buddy, are you okay? (laughs) You doing all right over there? You're not going to do anything, uh, crazy, are you? I see you're in your underwear, underwear and man. crying on the floor holding two butcher knives. We're going to be good tomorrow morning, right? We're going <laughs> on that walk. We're going to go to the dog park tomorrow morning, you <laughs> promise?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> shit makes you feel guilty as hell. Dude,
3: just wait until that's a fucking toddler.
2: <laughs> that's... I've been thinking about that shit. Fuck. I've been thinking about that so much, because, like... Pre-carnival, pre carnival, <laughs> pre my <laughs> last girlfriend.
3: I was like, "What the fuck was that, dude?" Go ahead, continue. All
0: right, what
2: I was going to say was, um, like pre carnival, pre the acts that inspired carnival. No hard feelings to you. if You're still lurking on my shit. Um, is like, I never wanted to have kids. You know, I never wanted to have that family life. I was a disgusting little fucking get fucked up, chase pussy. I loved getting laid and doing drugs ass and goblins. Never wanted to settle down, just a true hedonist. You know, youthful, youthful in my antics. And then, you know, she basically came to me as an ultimatum and was like, either you wanna get serious and settle down and have kids and quit all this bullshit, or I'm gonna leave you. And I was like, well, it's funny that you brought to me this ultimatum because just this morning, I was thinking about uh, how I wanted to quit doing all these bullshit and settle down and have kids. And then, you know, she left me anyway. I'm it. never tried to appease, I guess. But genuinely speaking, I was thinking about like having a kid and thinking, because my sister just had a kid, my best friend has a kid, so I've been, like, surrounded by babies lately, and they fucking disgust me. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of kids. They freak me out. They remind me of me when I was a kid. I don't like being around them.
0: <laughs>
2: but it, like, really, like, as I get older, it hits this, like, biological button in my fucking brain where I'm just like, wow. I'm, I'm an procreate, and I certainly can't be I'm existing as a human being I'm existing as now. now if i'm going to procreate and i do i do i do want to have kids i'm hoping that in a couple years some fucking dude i've never met knocks my door and is like are you captain are you my father i'm hoping that trip to mexico pays off
0: dude
1: Yeah, and and you know what? You don't have to mute the phone because you know I think E.G. broke ground there with peeing on this podcast. So please go ahead. And you know, if anything, your sound of your urination would probably really excite your sales.
3: Yeah, apparently uh, it'll help. Uh, it'll help sales. Yeah.
2: That's so true. I did have one guy offer me um, when I refused to sell nude. He goes, "Well, I'm just gonna buy fifty of your paintings." I was like, all right, I don't give a fuck. Like, you can come on my paintings all you want, dude. I'm gonna show you my asshole. Like, I <laughs> like, don't care. I want the paintings, and he never did. So he's a poser. <laughs> oh,
1: the bargains we made.
2: I am gonna spare you all, though.
1: Give me a uh, thirty to thirty that? seconds right here. Piss. Okay. All right. He's he's opting out of that. You know. I don't know. Alright, I'll, I'll let you, you all them.
2: in. Am I not pissing loud enough? Come on. <laughs> Louder.
4: <laughs>
1: Sing fill our ears. Fill our ears with the piss. <laughs>
3: All I want this podcast to be... Is I think I just ruptured my urethra. <laughs> <we can>. <laughs> Gary, scrub all the audio and just replace it. Just, like <laughs> just the sound of Kevin pissing the whole time. Release the episode as it's featuring Kevin, and then just have it him pissing, his piss the whole time. Slow
2: it, slow it down, chop it, screw it, add some fucking hi-hat. Yeah. We're good to go, maybe.
3: Add <laughs> the FX of the bell, changer. Release the pee Now you're talking... Will you fart on the phone? If I have to, for for sure, dude. Yeah.
2: Okay. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ! What's this?
1: Yeah, because you know I I recorded my own parts and I mixed them into last episode. So hey, yeah, uh, why not? Wait, was that the paperback
3: farter? You were fart. <laughs> yeah, that was,
1: that was all my fart.
3: <laughs> Those were
1: real. Awesome. Such
3: little. You do yeah, have a tie Okay, I'm, I'm
2: telling my love girlfriend love she can come over now, so whenever my dog barks, I'm and gonna fart. have to go.
3: Oh, dude. Will you get your Will you get her to queep on my Oh on, on, I can't oh, even, oh, even
2: get her to queep in my oh. mouth, dude. Damn, dude,
3: you gotta get that tongue action. You gotta thicken up the mouth. Uh-huh. Tongue. Uh-huh.
2: I've been trying to shake some gas in there.
3: <laughs> I talked to her head something like, come on. Blowing that hole. Blowing that hole. <laughs> <laughs> gave, her, gave her- pussy
2: raspberries. Oh, dude. Dude. Okay, so if we're abandoning literature and loot of absurdism now, let's go with, the uh, Strangest Kinks, boys. Oh. I like that. Oh, <laughs> oh,
0: Gary, <laughs> oh, take over, oh, yeah. Gary.
3: <laughs> so, what's your favorite author? <laughs> well, wow, I'm real-
2: Botfly girl is my favorite author. She's got balls to the wall, baby. Botfly? You ain't never read Botfly Girl? Uh-uh. Yeah, alright. Give that a Google later. Is that Botfly Girl? Yeah, she's a woman who's nope. obsessed with jamming botflies in her cooch. No. Yeah. That'll make your girl queen. That'll
1: good. Those, Those are, are like flush-eating flies.
2: Yeah, it's destroyed
1: her vagina for sure. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's a strange kink. I mean, it. That is kind of a that is kind of an
2: important question, right? That I feel like I see get addressed a lot lately is like, uh, where are you allowed to address kinks in 2021? Like, <clears throat> at what point is a kink uh, considered dangerous? or self-dangerous or a point of contention in which it should be addressed because I see no kink shaming being this like a frame device for you can't judge anyone for having a kink but I see some fucking disgusting shit out there dude you know just just browsing the internet (laughs) nothing
3: (laughs) I guess maybe if your kink is like rape
2: I've seen an argument against it yeah, I've seen it. I've seen people argue. Those
1: little Yoli girls. Yeah, as
2: long as it's as long as it's a fantasy in a controlled environment, it's completely normal and natural. I'm not gonna voice an opinion on that, but I do think it's yeah. an interesting argument. I guess is what I'm allowed to say without getting fucking slaughtered on Twitter. We'll see if I get slaughtered on Twitter just for being on here. I was wondering that right before I got on.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, sorry I was late. late. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry I was late, late to the show. It's
2: alright. No, it's okay. We'll run it back. We could do a do, do at some point. Yeah, yeah because, because I was having a very important conversation,
3: conversation and I'm also, also suffering, suffering with a little bit of mental problems right, problems right now. Right so I'm sorry, sorry I was late, late
2: Kevin. Kevin. I, I, know I know it's disrespectful. disrespectful. Bro, dude, you do not even have to fucking start to apologize to me, dog. Are you kidding me? Being late to a podcast is like a zero out of ten on the spectrum of things that could be unfortunate. You're good, dude. Yeah, but...